0: Uh, good morning. Uh, before uh, we get started uh, on today's message, I, do, I received a couple questions uh, before church. And uh, I guess just to clarify, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, those are separate services. They're not, they're not identical services. Um, and uh, we'd love to have you at both of them. If you've never, uh, the, the last time uh, Christmas fell on a Sunday, um, I was really surprised and, and taken aback about kind of how cool it was to be gathered uh, on Christmas Day. Um, to the point uh, that partway through that service, I was like, we should do this every year. I know nobody would come, all right? so And and that's that's cool. There's no judgment in that, but that idea never really took off. But there is something, when Christmas falls on a Sunday, uh, there's something really cool uh, to be gathered together. Um, If you're not able to, to make it, uh, no guilt, no judgment, that service uh, will be streamed and uh, available uh, to, to be viewed whenever you want it to, and we, we hope that you do that so um, it 'll be a, a kind of family like Scott was saying, a family uh, friendly service stuff for the kids uh, involved in that service, and it'll be it 'll be a good morning short, short service so it 'll be about forty five minutes because uh, we 're not fools all right so um, and we, we know what day it is so uh, let 's go ahead and pray, worship team you guys that was that was awesome, thank you. Uh, to the worship team, uh, you set you set everything up uh, beautifully for our hearts to be uh, for our hearts to be directed to this idea of praising God. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for Jesus. We thank you for His grace. Uh, as um, well, we delve into this uh, uh, kind of next part of this mystery series of standing in wonder, uh, we want to be reminded this morning, as we've already done. Uh, that wonder uh, results in praise. And so right now, we want our hearts and our minds uh, directed to praising you and praising your son. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've probably noticed this. This is not like a a stunning revelation or whatever, uh, but more and more people are making their own Christmas cards. Uh, And it's gotten to the point, I don't know if you've noticed this, when you go into Walmart or Target, inventory is actually like way down, just on traditional Christmas cards. People just aren't buying them as much, they're they're making their own, and this has created a a challenge. When I was kind of looking into this a little bit, there is website after website that kind of gives you ideas of what you should say on your card if you're going to make your own. Because people are like, oh, I'd love to have pictures of my kids, pictures of my family. I want to make my own card, but I really don't know what to say. And there are websites that you can go to. So there's like just a generic one that says, may your days be merry and bright this Christmas season and throughout the whole next year. All right. Brilliant. Right. Just generic. Here's a picture of my kid. May your days be merry and bright. Right. There's funny, which I always appreciate. Um, Wishing you hope, peace, joy, and lots of Christmas cookies. Uh, you know you're getting old when Santa starts looking younger and younger. Santa has the right idea. Visit people just once a year. It's all fun and games until Santa checks the naughty list. Merry Christmas. There's only a few more shopping days left until your loved ones find out that you have no idea what they like. Uh, I, I, really, I really love that one, actually. Uh, we want you to have the happiest holidays ever, but don't feel too special, though. We gave this card to a lot of people. All right. All right. And, and then uh, there's the, the kind of spiritual ones, the religious ones, which are wishing you God's wonderful gifts of faith, hope, peace, and love at Christmas and, and always. All right? So there, there's what you can Google them and find them. There's websites that kind of help, help you uh, write your card. When I was reading Romans 16 uh, this week, the end of Romans 16 almost reads like a card to me. Uh, the end of it reads almost like a wish that Paul has for the Christians living in, in Rome. But before he gets to that Christmas wish, that idea, that not really a Christmas wish, but just a spiritual wish for them. Uh, before that, there's, he, he lists his kind of Christmas card list. There's, Romans 16 is just kind of one name after another. So before we talk about the names, let's talk about kind of Paul's prayer for the Christians living in Rome. I think it kind of reads almost like a card. He says, now... To him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaimed about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings of the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. And so we've been in this, you know, that, that's his prayer for the Romans, and we've been in this series uh, called... A wonder, where we're just kind of standing, we said a lot of people kind of want explanation in our culture, but this Christmas we wanted to be in our, in our services just to kind of stand back and wonder, in uh, wonder about what God has done and specifically who, it, who he's done it for. And so the first couple of weeks of this series, we want to just remind ourselves of what we've been talking about. That first of all, we learned that the mystery, the mystery is Christ. Right, the, the question about what God was doing through the Old Testament, when He's working with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of these people, like, what was God doing? What was He trying to accomplish? And Paul says, the mystery of that. Whenever people were wondering, what is He doing? The mystery is Christ. Christ is the answer to what God was doing. All along. Now, the second part of the mystery, the mystery is Christ. The second part of it is, who was he doing this for? And, and the answer to that, the part of the mystery, is that he was doing it for everyone. He wasn't just doing it for the Jews that he worked through uh, in the Old Testament. He was doing it for Jews and Gentiles uh, alike. So you've got this mystery that is Christ. And then the invitation of Christ goes to everyone in Paul's writings. And with that understanding, in, in verse 25... Uh, At the end of Romans 16, he just kind of praises God for the mystery. And he praises God for who he's invited. But before that, before we get that, uh, he starts with this list of names of people that he's thinking about. And I want to pause on the mystery just for a minute. And I want to show you a couple of these names because I think they're going to help us understand verse 25 and the proclamation of praise that came as the result of the mystery. So he lists names uh, in Romans 16 like Phoebe. He says, I command to you, our sister Phoebe, a deacon to the church of Centre. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the people and to give her any help that she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Now, this is really the only time this name is mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, We don't know a ton about her. She was a Gentile. Her name means bright and radiant, and Phoebe was a servant. And maybe some of you, when you think about your Christmas list, uh, your Christmas card list, or your Christmas dinner and, and all of that, you think of somebody that is like a Phoebe to you, a servant. Uh, maybe you have someone in your life like that that you're thankful for, someone who served you really well. They brought you a meal when you really needed it, or they taught you a class or a small group. They sent you a note when you were really discouraged, and you would say, they are, like Phoebe, they are a bright and radiant part of my life. They have served me really, really well this year. He goes on to say, Priscilla and Aquila, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Priscilla and Aquila, uh, they're mentioned more than Phoebe is, but they were almost like family to the Apostle Paul. When they were driven from Rome by the Emperor Claudius, they fled and they eventually landed in Corinth. And Paul ended up living with them. The Apostle Paul lived with them for 18 months. And he says, they risked their lives for me. And maybe you have someone, when you think about your Christmas card list or your Christmas table, maybe you have someone that you think about in in that realm and you wouldn't say they risked their lives for you. Maybe you would. Maybe you wouldn't say that, but you would say, man, it's beyond service. I'm thinking about a person that sacrificed for me. It might be your parents. And you say, man, my parent, the way my parents sacrificed for me, or it may be a teacher, the way they gave and gave and gave, it was above and beyond. Or a caregiver, just someone that showed you the character of Christ who was himself a sacrificer. And you think about your Christmas card list this year, and you might have someone on the list that's like that. Man, they didn't just serve, they sacrificed. And then he says, greet Apelles." whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. This is someone that necessarily didn't serve you or sacrifice for you, but this is someone whose faith you have observed, maybe from afar. And the longer you are a Christian, the more people you have that fit into this category. And you would look at that person from afar. They didn't serve you or sacrifice for you, but you would say, man, the way they faced their cancer." The way they approached their layoff, the way they approached this hardship, it encouraged me. And, it, and they didn't do anything specifically for me, but just observing their fidelity in Christ has been an encouragement to me. And so what exactly, you can, we could have done that all day. Paul has a lot of names in, in the first part of Romans 16. What is the relevance of these names? Why start out this way? Well, I think that when he thought about the people that God had saved through the gospel, it led him to praise. Each of these people in this list, there are people that Paul is thinking about. And he's like, man, they were saved by the gospel. They were changed by the gospel. They were made new by the gospel. And it results in praises we're going to see in a minute. But I think in Romans, uh, that, that part of the scripture, Paul is just reflecting on the mystery and how the mystery is for everyone. And he starts to give everyone a name. He says, I'm not just thinking about it conceptually, that this is for everyone. I'm thinking about Priscilla and Aquila. I'm thinking about Phoebe. I'm thinking about Apelles. I am thinking about these people that I know that had been changed and made new and restored and given new purpose. Paul gives the everyone in that this is for everyone. Paul starts to give the everyone specific names, and he just is very reflective in this passage of Scripture. He's like, man, the mystery is Christ." The mystery is for everyone. And then he starts thinking about who this everyone is. He said, it's for everyone. It's for Phoebe. It's for Priscilla and Aquila. It's for Apollos. It's for a a whole bunch of other people that he mentions in that text. And as you think about your Christmas card list or your Christmas table or whatever represents people to you, you are going to be gathered over the next week with people near you and maybe not exactly near you that have been affected by the gospel, hopefully. We've already talked about that a little bit. But I also want to talk about the idea that you're going to be gathered around people who hopefully will be affected by the gospel. Right? If the mystery is Christ and the mystery is for everyone, they've either been affected by that or you're hoping and praying and pleading with God that they will be affected by that. And I want you to keep that in mind as you gather around tables, as you develop Christmas cards, as you go to parties, as you gather this week, that every single person either has been affected or needs to be affected by the gospel of Christ Jesus. So maybe at your table this weekend, you're sitting right next to your Uncle Mike And he is so political. He's constantly talking about politics. And you might be tempted to think that Uncle Mike's greatest need is he needs to think differently about politics. He's wrong about Trump. He's wrong about Biden. He needs to think differently. He needs to vote differently. But what if perhaps, as you think about the idea that this is for everyone, that Uncle Mike's actual greatest need is to know and worship Jesus. Maybe you're sitting. Uh, to your left is your cousin Sue, and Sue she she won't stop talking at your at your dinner table. From the minute she walks into your house to the minute she leaves, she's talking about what you say everything. <laughs> right. And sometimes you're annoyed by it because she never asks about you, she never asks about your family, she never asks about your life. It is always her and her and her. And you might think that her greatest need, you say, man, when I think about my cousin, her greatest need is to be less self-consumed. But what if her greatest need is actually to know and worship Jesus? Or maybe you're sitting... Across the table from your sister Mary, and she is so angry and she is so bitter, and everything's a backhanded compliment, and sometimes not even backhanded, sometimes a backhanded uh, comment, and sometimes it's not even backhanded, sometimes it's just mean. And you think, man, her greatest need would be to have some joy. But what if her greatest need is actually to know and worship Jesus? I think that the first several verses of this text represents a really beautiful thing that when we talk about this is for everyone, everyone has a name. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a background. And Paul takes just a couple minutes out of that chapter and he says, let me name some people. When I say this is for everyone, I'm talking about Phoebe. I'm talking about Apollos. I'm talking about Apollos. I'm talking about this person. It is for everyone, and it reminds us of a great and wonderful truth. God saves people. He changes people. He forgives their sin. He changes their hearts, their desires, and their purpose. And if you've ever had a front row seat to it, you know how beautiful it is. He saves Everyone. He, he offers everyone the opportunity to be saved. And that everybody, as you know in your life, it's not just some conceptual everyone. You're like, it's Mike. It's my cousin. It's my sister. It's my uncle. They are the everyone in my life who needs to know and worship Jesus. And I think it leads us to a sense of mission and purpose. It should anyway, right? To share Christmas. To share Jesus with the people in their life, but I think beyond that, it leads us to a place of praise. That we—it's part of the mystery that when we look at man, the way that God has moved in our life and in the life of people we care about, the way He has moved, the way He has uh, brought people close to Him, the way He makes us new. There's a part of the mystery in which just we erupt with praise, and we erupt with a, a passionate desire to celebrate Christmas, but celebrate what God has done. I love how Paul phrases it. His moment of praise in this is he says, first of all, to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. We often think about our change that came to our life. We often think about our faith as something that we responded to, right? Most of us when we tell that story, right? All right, I did this. I did that. I did the other thing. I responded to the message of the gospel. And there's some truth to that. That's true, right? The gospel requires a response. When you hear about the mystery is Christ and that the mystery is for everyone, you've got to respond to that mystery. You've got to respond to Christ with faith and belief and commitment. You've got to respond to him to be sure. But there is this element of faith, and I know this is your story because it's mine too. There is an element of faith that is the move of God toward people, And on a macro level, we get this because right now we're celebrating Christmas and we celebrate this moment that God drew near to humanity. He saw us in our sin. He saw how far we were from him. And he said, I will come down from heaven to earth. I will become a baby who grows into a man and goes to a cross. So we know on a macro level, at Christmas especially, also at Easter, that God draws near to people. But on a micro level... You can probably see it in your life. If we weren't so eager to go lunch right now, we could go around this room (laughs) and we could start to hear stories about how, yes, you responded. Yes, part of it it is that you responded, but we would start to hear stories about how God moved toward you. How he wanted to save you. He wanted to redeem you. He wanted to change you. So he drew near to you. And you would tell a story about how God drew you to himself, how God made a move. So Paul's praising God about that because it happened in his life and it happened in the life of the people in in the first several verses of chapter 16. He's mentioning these stories of everyone knew the the stories of these people, all that. We know Paul's story, you know, church persecutor. God showed up and saved him. He said, but now you got to hear Phoebe's story. You got to hear Apollos' story. You got to hear Apollos' story. You got to hear James' story, right? James was the brother of Jesus. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, my sister would tell you a lot of things about me. One of the things that she would not say about me is the son of the Most High, right? I promise you, she would not say that about me, right? She'd say a lot of other things about me. She'll never have the microphone. I promise you that. But James grew up with Jesus, and at some point, He became convinced that Jesus was the Son of God. It's amazing. It's it's, to me, it's a a solid piece of evidence about who Jesus was and what he came to do. And so all of these people had these stories about how God drew near. Think about God drawing near. Think about growing up with Jesus. Right? On one hand, it would be kind of hard, I would guess, right? Why can't you be more like your brother? James? He's the perfect son of God. You can't make your bed. What's up, right? And, and so on one hand, it would be challenging. On the other hand, it would be this wonderful gift that you had later. Man, I grew up with the incarnate son of God in my home. What an amazing thing. So every single one of these people had a story. The text goes on to say, the message I proclaim in keeping with the mystery. So Paul just keeps praising God. The mystery is Christ. The mystery Christ is for everyone, and here's what that means. Everyone can be saved. You might be thinking about your dinner table coming up in a week or so, and you might have a person at that table, you're like, no, no, you, you don't know my family. No. Everyone can be saved. Everyone can be changed. Everyone can be made new. That's not to say everyone will be. Everyone can be. And Paul has this list of people that are exam- living examples of this truth, that this is for everyone and everyone can be changed. In our current culture, um, we have a tendency to want to win and defeat, right? We even used to have this phrase, people don't use it as much anymore, but we used to have this phrase of, I'm going to win you to Christ, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win you. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna defeat your arguments and I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna win the battle and you're gonna give your life to Christ because you are so thoroughly defeated that you will want to turn to God for your mercy, right? <laughs> we, we have this kind of, we've always had this kind of win and defeat mindset, and I get that tendency, but I wonder if people of wonder, if you're a person of wonder, if your mindset begins to change from winning to introducing. And when you stand in wonder, it's like, man, we need to worry less about victory and we need to worry more about helping people meet and see Jesus who can handle himself and can win them, right? Who has the power and the ability to change them forever. So Paul's response to this God that pulled off these big mysteries, the mystery of Christ and also the mystery of everyone being invited to it, um, that, that his response is praise to that God. Here's how he says it. To the only wise God. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. A lot of us attended uh, Trees on Tees eventually. You, you attended it. Um, you didn't attend it on Wednesday, but you attended it eventually, hopefully, or you could still go tonight. And uh, if you've ever been to that event, it's beautiful, isn't it? The incredible lights just shining in the darkness. That we're far enough away, away from the city at uh, Hickory Point, that we're far enough away from the city that those lights, they are so incredibly bright. And that's what this series has been about, is just standing in wonder at the light. The message of Jesus, the mystery of Christ, that this is what God was doing all along, and that he's invited everyone to be a part of it. And our response is praise and worship. The music, music is a huge part of Christmas. A lot of you have your favorite um, Christmas songs. Whenever we're driving around, we tend to fight about this a lot in our family because we all have different tastes, right? Uh, Sam wants comedy songs, um, and Cheryl wants—she's not in here, so I can say this—slow, borderline sad songs. To be honest with you, <laughs> we 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 were drive we were driving to, to the trees. On she's like playing her music. I'm like, baby, I got to stay awake. We're gonna die in a car crash right here. <laughs> like, like, we have got to up the tempo a tad bit, right? She's a huge Sarah McLaughlin fan. She's going to kill me for a of it. She's a huge Sarah McLaughlin fan. And when we, were, when we were dating, I said we'd be driving around. And I went, oh my goodness. You know, we, let's pick it up here a little bit. It's Christmas, right? And so we all have different tastes of the Christmas music that we like. And there, there's a beauty of that. But this is just a time of year to stand back and praise. Whatever your style is, praise. And stand in wonder and awe. And praise God for what he's done. Paul is not the first person to feel this way about the mystery and the inviting everyone to be a part of it. Paul's not the first person to do that. One of my goals on this particular Sunday each year, the Sunday before Christmas is that I want to make sure in this message every single year that I read to you just the Christmas story. And I want you to see in particular I'm going to read to you Joseph from Matthew I'm going to read to you Mary from Luke and in a few minutes I want you to notice uh, Mary especially. When she receives the news, I want you to notice her response to the message. But here's the story. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. And before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public, uh, public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, right? We often think about angels as cute babies with diapers, right? Actually, the most common phrase that an angel says is, don't be afraid, because they're terrifying. And so Joseph wakes up and he says, you know what? I think I'm going to do what the angel told me to do, right? Right? He got up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's skip over to Luke now. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and so the Holy One uh, to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, uh, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So I want to review real quick what it said. It said, you are to give him the name Jesus. You remember why? You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. It is a reminder to us that what Jesus, his very name is a reminder to us about what he came to do and who he came to be. That through Jesus, through the work of Christ, Our sins are forgiven, and we are made right with God in this life and in the next. A relationship with God that we were created to have, we can now enjoy because of Jesus who saved us from our sins. And he says, that's what you're to call him. Call him Jesus. So other people are going to refer to him as Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so Christmas, especially at this time of year, it is a reminder to us of a God who drew near It's a good way to remember it year-round, but especially at Christmas, that part of God's work is that he drew near to human beings. And now through his Holy Spirit, we enjoy him all, all the time. But he's giving us love and joy and hope and peace. God draws near to his people. Some will call him Emmanuel. And then others will also refer to him as the son of the Most High. Because he will rule over them. It's a reminder to us that Jesus came to establish a kingdom. And we are a part of that kingdom. If you're a follower of Christ, you, you didn't just receive forgiveness of sins. You received that. You receive forgiveness of sins so you could enter into the kingdom of God. And we are a part of that kingdom. And so part of the way that we are changed and made new is as part of the kingdom dwellers, we follow the king's example. We obey his commands. We live out his ways. He's living in uh, he's ruling over a kingdom. So, in short, these two passages, what they teach us is: listen, this baby lying in the manger, he will save many people. He will change many people. He will lead many people. He will empower many people. He will be present. He will be present with many people. And this is what he came to do and be. And like Paul. Hopefully, you think about yourself and the way he's led you and saved you and helped you. But hopefully, you've got other people that you're thinking about. That, man, I think about so-and-so story, this person's story, that person. And hopefully, you're thinking about people that are not yet changed but need to be. Like, man, I, I want to I be serious about sharing Christmas with them. And what is the response? It's worth celebrating. Part of the response is purpose, that, man, i, I got to share Christ with the people that in my life that don't know him. Part of it is that, but some of it is just celebrating and singing and praising God for what he accomplished and who he accomplished it for. So I talked about Mary in particular, her response, because like Paul, her response was one of praise. And I, I love, that's what I love about Christmas is that the music is so real, because part of our response to this is praise, and I want to close with Mary's song and what she, the way she responds to this message of good news. Mary said, "My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name." His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary receives this Christmas message. And her response was praise. Paul had received this Christmas message. His response was praise. May our response be the same. Let's praise. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. And uh, we thank you for this mystery that you've been doing all along. The mystery of Christ. And that we lose sight of this mystery sometimes because we get to kind of reverse-engineer the Bible a little bit, and we get to see that what you were doing the whole time. It doesn't mean that we we never want to stop standing in awe of it and wonder at what you have done, but even beyond what you have done, we want to remember right now who you did it for. That you did it for us. You did it for all. You did it for everyone. And for those of us in in our room, the word everyone, it's not an ambiguous thing. Everyone has a name. And right now we're thinking about people that we know. I'm thinking about my grandfather and my mom and my dad and my sister and my cousins. People that I know that have been changed by your grace. That there was this generational family sin in my family. And your grace changed us forever. Everyone has a name to me. My everyone has a name to me. But I'm also thinking about people that I don't know where they stand with you, I don't know where they are with you. And I want to pray that everyone would be everyone, and that you would draw near to them, that you would use us to proclaim your gospel of grace, and that they would respond. Everyone either has responded or needs to respond, so we want to pray for people that are far from you, that don't know you. I pray right now that they would respond to your grace, as you have drawn near to them. On a macro level at Christmas, but I bet even on an individual level, I bet they could, if they had the eyes to see it, I bet they could see how you have drawn near to them. So we pray for them to respond. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We're going to receive a communion together and just an opportunity, this is one of those opportunities of praise. Amen. God, look at what you did. Look at who you did it for. Um, And and to be grateful for the way that he has saved us, to be on purpose for the people we know that that don't know him, to be prayerful for people that uh, we know that don't know him, that everyone would be everyone, that everyone would respond because it's for everyone. And so we want to receive communion and just be reminded about what that baby in the manger who became a man eventually did, dying for our sins, uh, and that we would just remember and celebrate and thank God for what he's done. Uh, And then I'll come back up here in just a few minutes and we'll receive it all together as a church family. God, may our hearts, may the result of our wonder be our praise. To you, the only wise God, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Will you stand with me? We're going to close with one last song. Uh, If I don't see you uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, Merry Christmas. We're really glad that you're here. Uh, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll gather together next Sunday and uh, continue to, to worship and praise his name. Worship team. He's eager and anxious to play and sing.